Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, You Asked, What's My Purpose? Presented by Pastor Jason Potter on July 10th, 2016. So today we're continuing in the series called You Asked. Right? And, and today's question that we're going to address is, what is my purpose? And just a, a little bit of a, a warning here. In your bulletin inserts this morning, um, one entire site is completely blank just for notes with some lines on there. We're going to actually go over quite an array of passages today. And some of them we're going to go through kind of quickly. Um, most of them will be up on the screen. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to... Uh, uh, there's too many passages and, and too many characters to to print it all out on the insert. So we've left you the, that space for notes, so feel free to take notes and, uh, and uh, you know, if you're a note taker. Um, so we're just a little bit over a week from coming back from this Live as a Blaze camp out in the Manzano Mountains. Right? Just the fact that we had it was a miracle with the, the fires that were going on over there. Um, and, but we spent an entire week out there learning uh, what it means that our identity should only be found in Christ. And there were two reoccurring questions throughout the week, right? Questions, we probably asked this question a total of 10 times throughout the week, and it, it was this. It's, do you know who you are, and do you know whose you are? Right, Pastor Mike was the main speaker that you guys saw from that video, and, and what I really, really loved about him is he didn't hold back any of his teachings, the depths of his teachings, just because some of the students were or were younger, or some of their age, right? What he did instead is he really used the Holy Spirit and allowed him to, uh, to teach the students this very complicated stuff, but in a way that they could understand it. And as you saw in the video, right, God uh, really does do some amazing things at this, these camps, and I think all, I can speak on behalf of all the leaders, it's very humbling and very, uh, uh, very honoring to see so many lives being changed forever. So this morning's question, right, what is my purpose? Uh, it's probably most likely looked upon differently by, by uh, each one of us. Right? To some, it might be, why are we here? Right? Why were we even created? Right? To others, it might be uh, specific things like, what am I supposed to do with my life? Right? What is God's specific plan for me? Right? Jeremiah 29.11 assures us that God has a good plan for our lives, and it's a, a, a plan that's going to give us hope in our future. Uh, what, sh- what should my career be? Who should I marry? What college should I go to? How many children should I have, if any? Right. Should I move my family to Lake Tahoe and trust that God's going to use us there? Right. Are there any church planning opportunities in Tillman Island? Or does God have me right where he wants me? Right. We're all on this life journey to figure out what God has in store for us but for us to be confident that we're fulfilling this purpose. I I truly believe that what we really need to understand is that our identity can only be found in Christ. It's it's kind of uh, funny how God works like that. We have this question coming up right after we spend a week learning about our identity in Christ, and they they go hand in hand. You know, a couple weeks ago, um, Pastor Floyd gave a message, or he addressed the question, is there a God? And, And he started by simply providing a quick answer to that question. He said, yes, there is absolutely a God. Right? He could have been done right there. Yes, there is a God. The question's been answered. Right? But, but for those people who are truly wondering and, and seeking for answers, right, he would have left so much unanswered. So, so, of course, he went on and he shared a very powerful message and, uh, on, over the one who created us. 
So looking at my, what is my purpose, there, there might not be quite as simple of an answer as just a yes or no, right? But there actually is a fairly quick answer to that question that applies to each one of us. Um, did, does anybody here remember a few years ago, all the real links did a, a specific study by Rick Warren called what, uh, what on earth am I here for? Um, anyway, we did that one, right? And that program reminds us of a few things, right? It reminds us to keep in mind that we were made to last forever. Right? We, weren't, uh, we weren't created to live on this earth in these bodies for 70, 80, 90 years and then just die and be done. Right? The, the chapter, uh, chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes, I practiced that word a couple times this week, by the way. Chapter 3 of, uh, of Ecclesiastes, uh, we are taught that God, has a, uh, that God has put eternity into a man's heart. Right, we're also taught that God created us for his pleasure. He created us to love us. Jesus taught in Matthew uh, 22, verses 37 through 40, that the greatest command is this, you shall love your Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. All right, so we were created to love God above all else, and we were created to love our neighbors as ourselves. So we were created to love and be loved. Well, more accurately, we were created to be loved and then to love. Right, 1 John 4.19 simply says, we love because he loved us first. So to recap this somewhat quick answer of why, what our purpose is, why we were created, right, we were created for God's pleasure, for God to love us, we were created to love God above all else and each other as ourselves. And we were created to last forever as a member of God's very own family. That's our purpose. So we could be done. Except, what about all those other questions? Right? What, about, uh, what about the questions that doesn't God have a more detailed plan for you specifically? And the answer to that is yes, he does. You know, how can we know that? Psalm 139.16 says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And discovering that specific plan is a unique journey for each of us. Right? There's no Bible verse that says, Jason, my plan for you from the very beginning of time has been for you to live at Lake Tahoe as soon as you gradu- your kids graduate from high school. I've searched the Bible. It is not there. However, I, I do think that if, uh, if God ever allows me to win the lottery, that uh, that's a, a sign that I should at least buy a summer home out there. And much, of the, much of this time, though, we, we journey down this path of, of discovering God's plan for us um, with worry and stress. Right? Is this really what I'm supposed to do? What if this is the wrong decision? And we really lose sleep over it. We stress ourselves out over it. But God commands us to be joyful in all situations. A three-word verse from First Thess- Thessalonians 5.16 says, always be joyful. Very simple, always be joyful. Right? This, this discovery of God's purpose for us should be approached with excitement and joy. And there's, a, there's this illustration that this, I heard from this pastor out of uh, Dallas, Texas. Right? He's talking about uh, marriage. And he says, you, you, might, you might have the biggest crush on the completely wrong person for you. You might date the person that's completely wrong for you. You might get engaged to the wrong person. You might be walking down that marriage aisle 
with the wrong person. But as soon as you stand before God and make a lifetime commitment and say, I do, that wrong person just became the right person. Right? And I, I think we can apply that same concept, that same principle, to any situation. Right? If, God, if we fear that God is calling us to move somewhere, but we just really love living in this desert too much, so we stay. Right? Or if you choose a career or a college, and you're not sure if it's because that's really what God led you to do, or if it's just what you, deep down, that's what you thought that you wanted, right? Submit that to God. Commit to serving Him above all else, no matter where you are in life, no matter what decisions you've made in life. Right? Trust that He can and He will use your situation for His glory, no matter how you got there. Romans 8.28, one of the most popular verses in the, in the whole book of Romans says, and we, know, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Truly trusting this promise should remove our stress that we are going to make the wrong decision, and it should allow us to discover God's plan for our lives with, with complete joy. So Pastor Mike from camp, right, he delivered four powerful messages while we were out there, and they were all about our identity in Christ. He said before we can expect to discover what we're supposed to do in this world, right, we, we must first understand who we are. And we must understand whose we are. Um, there's a list of ten theological words that uh, uh, that go along with finding our identity in Christ. Right? Pastor Mike uh, singled out four of them: justification, regeneration, adoption, and redemption. Since we don't have several hours to give every, every one of these words a proper attention that it deserves, we're just going to dig deeper into two of them, which is going to be justification and, adopt, and adoption. So what does it mean to be justified? Right? Before we can enter the kingdom of God, we have to be just in, in the eyes of God. It amazes me how many people, how many Christians even, right, still live like we're capable of earning our way into heaven even though we've heard the good news of the gospel and the good news of God's grace dozens of times, right, we still can't get rid of this, uh, this idea that, that we have to be good enough to go to heaven. And, and even though we've heard all the scripture that explains our salvation over and over, right, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us it's by grace that we've been saved and that it's not by our works. Romans 6 tells us that our eternal life is a free gift from Christ Jesus our Lord. Yet so, so many still see it as like this measuring scale, right? One of those uh, balancing scales, you know what I'm talking about? It's got like a plate on each side, and then it's got the, uh, the arm that goes across the top. And when you put something on one side, it, it shifts the balance of it, right? And, and so what we do is we, we think of all this bad stuff we've done in our life, and, and we put it down on that scale, and then, you know, it, it tips up one way. And then we start putting all of our good works and our good deeds on the other side of the scale, and, and we try to balance it out. And we think, and you know, this is a lot of people who, who uh, also say, um, I believe that there's a God, I just don't know uh, exactly what I believe. This is what they think, is in the end, they'll be okay. Because when, when you put that scale before God, that it's going to tip it in a way that shows that you have more good than no, more bad, and then you get to go to heaven. All right, well, the problem with that is, first of all, we don't know how to measure our, uh, our deeds appropriately. Right, all the bad stuff that feels really heavy at, at times, we, as we get through it, we move past that, and time goes on, right, that stuff, we look back on it and say, well, it probably wasn't as big of a deal as I, I think it was, so that stuff looks like it's lighter. And then all the good things that we do, right, we say, well, I don't, we compare ourselves to other and we, others, and we say, well, I don't see other people doing that. You know, so, and then we, we give that more 
uh, more weight than it deserves. So the, the first problem with this whole theory here is, is we don't even know how to accurately measure the weight of our deeds. Uh, but second of all, that has nothing to do with going to heaven whatsoever. Right? It's not what we do. It's what Christ has already done for us. So there's a, a guy... Um, so there's a, a guy named Wayne Grudem. Right? I have no idea who that is. I just found this quote. Well, actually, Pastor Mike shared this quote. Um, there's a guy named Wayne Grudem, and he describes justification as this. It's an instantaneous legal act of God in which he, one, thinks of our sins as forgiven and Christ's righteousness as belonging to us. And two, he declares us righteous in his sight. Okay, that, that takes us straight to the cross. And we always find answers at the cross. Right, because he literally paid the brutal consequences for our sins. So justification is, here's some things that justification is, okay? It's the opposite of condemnation. Romans 8:33 through 34 says, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed is interceding for us. Justification is externally applied by God to us. It is a legal declaration. It's God's response to faith. Now here's some of the things that justification does. Justification declares that we have no penalty to pay for sin. Romans 8.1 says, uh, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Justification declares that we have the righteousness that belongs to Jesus. This one's important. Well, they're all important. This one's important. And Romans 3, 21 through 22 says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all believers, for there is no distinction. All right, so here's what justification looks like. I brought in a, a couple of books here. All right, this first one is called uh, The Life Story of Jason Potter. This... Uh, this actually applies to, to all of us, so feel free to, to fill in your own name here. Uh, but by the way, side note, this picture here, I don't know if you guys saw it for a brief second on the video. All right, that was taken at camp. Um, so, so Pastor Floyd came up on Thursday morning and spent the morning hanging out with us. Right, so he got there, and he was excited. You know, camp, fun, all fresh. You know, I had already spent uh, four days with these clowns. And, <laughs> and they're justified clowns, but clowns nonetheless. Right, so... Yeah, I, at this moment in time, I wasn't in a particularly bad mood, but I was, I was already past the whole camp, pictures, let's go, type thing. So, so uh, that's, that's how that picture came to, uh, came to be. <laughs> so anyways, in this book, uh, right, the, the life story of Jason Potter, you know, it's got all of the deeds that I've done. And I don't want to stand up here and brag or anything, but there's some pretty good stuff in here. Right, the, uh, um, we, we've got all the, the, the donations I've made to different causes. Right, to different organizations. Here's, uh, here's all the old ladies I've helped across the street. Hmm. Actually, uh, actually, for the record, I've never helped an old lady across the street before. Um, it's not that I'm not willing to. I've just never had the opportunity. Um, I have, however, helped an old lady through a casino once. It was Michelle's mom. That's a true story. Um, Right, here's, here's all the volunteering I've done in my community. Right. Here's all of the uh, um, lives that I've invested in, all the, the selfless acts that, that I've done for, for those around me. 
Right. I don't have any more examples, but I, do, I promise you I've done more good stuff than, than just those. Right. But, then, but then we get to, to the red pages. Right. Here, here's, now we've got to start looking at my sin. Right. Here's all the, the bad language that I've used throughout my life. Right. Here's all the fits of rage, the countless fits of rage that, that I've, I've uh, conducted myself in for, for no good reason whatsoever. Here's all the times I've literally told God no to something because it didn't go along with whatever my, my selfish desires were at that time. Here's all the times that I, I've spoken harshly to somebody. And here's all the, uh, here's all the, the long-term damage that I've done to people's self-esteem simply because I don't know how to handle my own insecurities. Right? It goes on and on. Right? Suddenly, I don't feel so just in front of God anymore. I have another book here. It's called The Life Story of Jesus Christ. Right. Now, if you look at the cover here, you know, I can't wait to crack open this, this book and find out what this, this guy's done to deserve that kind of treatment. Right, so we open up his book, and what do we see? We see the miracles he's performed. Right. We've seen all the stuff that he was willing to sacrifice on this earth for the betterment of others. We see the time where, where Satan literally offered the world at his feet. He could have anything he wanted and, and be powerful over the world, the whole world. But instead, he denied all that because he knew it wasn't his father's will. Hmm. List goes on. I'm going to fast forward it here. Look, trying to get to the sin. The thing is, we don't find any sin in this book. Right? He was the one person that walked this earth. And, and was absolutely perfect every day of his life. Now, justification, what that does is that means that God is taking this cover, right, the life story of Jesus Christ, and he's taking off this cover, and he's switching them. Right. Now I've got this magazine, again, or this book, again, called The Life Story of Jason Potter. But what do we see when we open it? Right, we see the perfection of Christ. We see that there's nothing to be condemned for here. It's absolutely perfect for the for the, the for the final time in my life because it only has to happen once. I am now justified before God. But then we still have this other book to deal with, right? The life story of Jesus Christ. Now we open it up and we see some all right stuff he did. I thought it was good the first time I went through it, but after seeing what Jesus did, it's just all right. Right? And then we see all the sin, all the times that I've denied God. But now, it's not me taking that blame for that anymore. Now it's Jesus that takes the blame for that. And there's a punishment to be paid for that. Right? God is just. whole word justified. God is just. A, just a, a punishment has to be paid for it. And Jesus voluntarily did that for each and every one of us. That's what it means to be justified in Christ. Right, so... so in God's glorious eyes, we've become justified because sin was imputed to all mankind from Adam. Right? Then our sin was imputed on Jesus at the cross, and then righteousness was imputed to us in Jesus. Right? Adoption. Right? The, other, the other big word to cover here, the other theological word. Why is it important to understand what it means to be adopted by God's family or into God's family? Right, there's this widely spread misconception that everyone is a child of God. P. 
people say it all the time, we're all God's children. Right? Celebrities, they have huge impact on, this, uh, on our society, like Oprah, publicly pro- pro- proclaim this false idea all the time, right? that we're all God's children. But why we, uh, why we are all God's creation, right? the Bible teaches that by nature we are not all his children. Because of the sin virus that we all inherited from Adam, right, the Bible teaches that until we accept Jesus as our Savior, that we are sons of other things. Right? We're the sons of disobedience. Ephesians 5, 6 says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. It teaches that we're the children of wrath. Ephesians 2, 3 says, We all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. And then it teaches that we are the sons of Satan. We see that in John chapter 8. When, when Jesus was speaking to those who were denying him, right, he says this, he says, you are of your father's devil and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. All right, so the definition of, of adoption is this. It's a legal transfer from a natural father to a, or custodian's power to a new father. When we become a Christian, it's the act of God where he makes us members of his very own family with full rights and privileges. It's, uh, to be adopted into God's family means that he deliberately chose us. We were deliberately chosen by God. When a couple decides to adopt a kid, right, they don't just go with some random Kyle that, uh, some Kyle... That wasn't a knock on you, Kyle. That just literally came out of my mouth. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> they don't just go with a, with a random child that, uh, that the agency throws out in front of them, right? They, they um, specifically choose what child to adopt. And when you're adopted into God's family, it's because he specifically chose you. Ephesians 1, 4 and 5 says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. When we're justified, God gives us right standing by declaring us not guilty before him. And that was justification. But when we're adopted, God gives us full rights and privileges as his family member. At camp, we, we spent a great deal of time digging into what the Roman adoption process looked like when Paul wrote that letter to them. But so here are the big takeaways, right? It was a specific legal process that began with the releasing of rights from the natural father. And so we're released from being children of disobedience, wrath, and even the devil of himself. Then, then the adopted child was received by the new father. Okay, with the same rights, as his biological children. Then they adopted all rights to his former family, but he gained all rights and privileges to his new family, and this was irre- irrevocable. It could never be altered by another children or marriage. The former life of the adopted was wiped. Their debts, their past, their vital records were all gone forever. Right? Their identity was only associated with the family who they were adopted into. The adopted person was permanently and absolutely the child of the new father. Adopted children received their father's favor, received the father's estate, received the father's training, 
and was chosen to help manage the family's future. Paul uses comparison because these same things apply to us when we're adopted as God's children and we choose to allow him to adopt us into his family. Right? The charges of your former life have been wiped away. Satan's claim to you has legally changed. Rights of our natural order have been revoked. We have been made legitimate sons in the family of God. We have been made joint heirs with Jesus. We enter into this new forever relationship with our Father. Galatians 4, 6, and 7 says, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of our Son into our hearts, of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. So I don't know if, uh, if anybody's going to leave here this morning with a better understanding of what God specifically wants you to do with your life. Right, where to focus your education, what career to pursue, how to begin a family, how to grow a family. Right, but if you're truly seeking God's direction for your life, I pray that you see the importance of understanding who you are and that your true identity is found in Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross. And, and no matter what decisions you face, I pray that you find confidence and insurances in making those decisions by pri- prioritizing to glorify God in your life because of whose you are, because you have been adopted into God's family. On the other side of your bulletin insert this week, um, um, there's, there's a single verse, right? We saw a considerable amount of, of scripture flash up there. I think there was like 12 verses or something. Um, but I only felt led to include one single passage on, on your insert, in the notes of your insert. And I absolutely love how this is phrased. Right? It, and it applies to each one of us. The very moment that we give our, our lives to Christ, this becomes applicable. And it's from Ephesians uh, 2.19. It says, From now on, you are not strangers and people who are not citizens. You are citizens together with those who belong to God. You belong in God's family. So this morning's question is, have you truly been adopted into God's family? Right, we're not considered, uh, uh, necessarily considered a large church here at Sol Rio. So I, I think that it is possible that every single one of us has accepted God's free gift of salvation by receiving Jesus as our, as our Lord and Savior. But statistically speaking, it's probably not very likely. Right, chances are there are still people here that need to take that step, to need, to, that need to make the claim to be a member of God's family. Now I go into, uh, uh, I use this illustration when I go into the youth detention centers. Um, you know, granted, in the, the detention centers, those, those young men are there as a consequence of something that they've done. But they can still relate to an orphan, you know, there's, there's still young men who, are, uh, who aren't adults yet who are away from their families, so they can relate to the mindset of an orphan. And so I use this, this illustration. I said, well, you know, what if somebody comes in here every single week and tells you, you don't have to be an orphan anymore. There's a family out there that wants to adopt you. And the, the father of that family has more money than, uh, than Bill Gates. He has more rooms than, than Donald Trump's hotels all put together. Right, his resources are unlimited. Right, he has time to invest in every one of his adopted child. He wants to love every single one of his adopted children. 
right? And all you have to do is just agree to leave this orphanage, let this father, this family adopt you, and claim, uh, claim that goodness for your life. And not only that, not only does, do they want to invest in you and love you and give you a new life, but they want to share in everything that's theirs is going to become yours. You're going to have a stake in everything that belongs to them, even as much so as, as their biological children. Right? But you, what you do is when you hear this is you respond and say, no, I'm just going to stay here in this orphanage. What if that's not even true? Right? How do I know that this person really exists? Right? How do I know that he's going to be, that, that he has all these promises that are, are really going to be fulfilled in my life? I think I'm just going to stay here. So they continue week in and week out living in this orphanage where they're lonely and they're deprived of things that, that they were created to have when all they have to do, and, and they hear this message all the time, they hear, hear of this family that wants to adopt them, and all they have to do is just stand up one day and say, yes, I want to go live with this new family. Right, well, that's, uh, for those of us who have been hearing this, this message of the gospel time and time again, yet we've never taken that step. Right? That's what we're saying. We're saying we want to stay here in this orphanage. We want to be, be deprived of all these great things that God has for us. You know, there's no promise that, that once you get adopted to this family that your life immediately is just going to get better and, and all of these great things are, are going to start happening to, to you and there's not going to be any trials. As a matter of fact, that's quite the opposite. There will be trials. There will be new trials that you weren't ready for. But the thing is, is we're not alone in this orphanage anymore. Now we've got somebody who's, who's going to guide us through that. We have a family that we belong to that's going to see us through some of those things. And the promises that we're going to claim are promises that, that have eternal value. Because there is a promise that, this, that the trials and heartaches are going to go away. Not while we're here on earth, but someday they're going to go away and they're never going to return. So as we close in prayer here, we're going to bow our heads. And, and if that's you, right, if, if, you've, if you haven't decided to, to take that step to be in, uh, adopted into God's family, if you haven't allowed him to do that for you yet, if you haven't allowed him to justify you, then I'm going to just ask you know, stand up or raise your hand or even just nod enthusiastically something, right? Do something to, to claim God's promise in your life today. And then don't leave, right? We have all of our pastors are here today. All of uh, our pastor's wives are here today, right? There's people here that want to celebrate that with you. There's people here that want to, to pray with you and, and help you claim that in your life or at least know what it means to, to claim that in your life. So, so uh, don't leave. Find a pastor um, and let's pray. Father God. We thank you for everything in this life, Lord. We thank you that you justified us in the way that you did, in a way that we would never, ever, no matter how hard we try, ever be able to justify ourselves in your eyes. You declare that we're just. And that is a free gift, and and we're so thankful and grateful on this gift that we truly can't even really comprehend how huge it is. Lord, we thank you that you that have all these limited resources that you just want to, to give to us. Lord, we, we thank you that, that you want to be our eternal Father that's going to, uh, that's going to share everything that you have with us and, and simply because you love us, because you created us so that you can love us. Lord, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the good news that Jesus Christ died for our sins. Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here that wants to make that claim, if they're ready to say, yes, I'm going to go live in God's family, that they stand up right now, Lord. Raise your hand. But we know that your, your offer for adoption isn't weekly. It's for every moment, Lord. Every moment 
you give us that option, that if we have not been part of your family yet, Lord, that, that we can just by crying out to you and, and confessing our sins and, and accepting the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, that we will be forever members of your family. We praise you for everything you do for us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.